Lord, and I am so glad that you are here uh, to worship the Lord together as well. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially this morning. Uh, we are happy that you are here and uh, you are very important to us, and we hope that you will feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord this morning. Uh, just a few announcements I would like to call to your attention this morning. Um, let me re- first of all remind you of our attendance sheets uh, that are on each row on the clipboard there. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and, uh, and pass it down the row so others can fill it out. Check the appropriate box on there and uh, put your name and address and phone number and everything. And uh, especially if you want to receive our uh, our email newsletter, we send that out every week. It has information about Community Baptist Church. Uh, activities and ministry opportunities. If you want to receive that, be sure to put your email address on there so that we can have that and we'll add you to our list and you'll receive that information every week. You'll also notice in your worship folder that there are a number of meetings, uh, different committee groups that are meeting uh, today and tomorrow and the next week. So please take note of that. And if you're involved with one of those groups, then uh, please be be where you need to be uh, during those times. And also... Not this Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're having a business meeting here at church. But the following Wednesday on uh, January the 21st, we are starting a new adult Bible study series. It's called uh, Virtues and Vices. Uh, These are some of the stumbling blocks and stepping stones of the Christian faith. So let me invite you to be be here with that. Uh, It's uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of good discussion with that. So uh, that's beginning a week from Wednesday on, uh, at 630 after our our uh, Wednesday dinner. Yesterday, about 20 people from Community Baptist Church got together and uh, participated in a day long retreat, a planning retreat. Uh, and uh, we poured over all kinds of information. This was information that we gleaned uh, from the survey that we took a couple of months ago. We got the results from that back and we were pouring over just a lot of different information uh, um, uh, that we gleaned from that uh, that survey. And this is to help us plan for the future of Community Baptist Church. We are very blessed that Phyllis McElwain is a part of our congregation, and she led us through that process yesterday and uh, and did a wonderful job with that. Uh, we are not done yet, though. Uh, we have more work to do, and uh, Phyllis is going to come and kind of uh, give us a little, uh, little synopsis of what we did yesterday and also give us a little synopsis of what we can expect to see in the, uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Good morning. Um, We're really excited about this, and we want to get all of you guys excited, too. Uh, If you remember, as he said a couple months ago, we all did this survey, and if uh, some of you missed out on it, you're you're still going to get to put your input in. Um, I think this church is truly blessed by God, as I told the group yesterday. Uh, The miracle is that we're sitting in the miracle, that we're even here. Because when you put down on paper all the facts and the, the monies we have, and, you know, it doesn't look like we'd be a go at all. But we are. And we have this great building. We have all of you here. And we have so many exciting things going on now. And some exciting things to plan for the future. So what this survey did, and that shows us that we definitely are in being blessed by God and in God's plan because this survey was a very costly thing, and we could have never afforded to have been in it. But Brother Tim found out that there was a grant, and we were able to participate in this at no cost to us. And so we got the report, which was about like this, and tried what we did yesterday was uh, go over the the information. Now, I want to give you just a top summary we asked the, uh, in the survey, it asked the congregation to mark out of 46 things, it asked you to mark, uh, or 47 things, to mark six uh, ways that the church could lend a helping hand to you, your family, or the community and world. And they gave us back our top ten answers, and we looked at the top four 
And the top four were knowing what we can do together to make a difference for others, finding ways we can include all ages in community service, caring for the sick, disabled, or aging family members, and a wide variety of comments about how much we need more help in communication skills, in communicating within our families, within our church, and with people out in the world. So that isn't where it stopped, though. Then it told us uh, some other topics by age groups, because, for example, caring for sick, disabled, or aging family members was of primary interest to people 50 and up. To people 40 and below, that did not come on their radar. And, of course, you can see why. Retirement was another example. That was retirement issues were very important to the people 50 and up, but not to the people below 50. So this gives us some indication that when we do programs, we need a variety of programs. Some of the additional things that scored in the uh, top for certain age groups, okay, we have retirement, we have handling conflict, which goes along with the communication skills, we have work in strengthening marriages, relationships, romance and sexuality in marriage, and in single life. So um, that came in through a lot of our younger responses from, say, 40 down. Uh, the marriage enrichment is across the board. We have a large number of people who are very uh, couples who are very committed to their marriage and been married long term. We have young couples who have indicated a need for some direction or maybe some help in making their marriages better. Well, we have experts on one end and people wanting information on the other. Maybe we can bring groups together. Um, and then another point the survey made for all of us who are married, just because we've been married a long time, there's a difference in being committed and being happy. So some people are in for the long haul, but maybe there's some ways you could be a lot happier, you know. So we had plenty of information to go over. And I guess the point is, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. And we asked questions, and we got lots of answers. But we decided that the survey was just marking black and white. Now we'd like to get some dialogue from from the folks of the church. So next Sunday, we're going to pass out a paper for everyone from sixth grade on up to the top age, and we will have some discussion groups listed on there. And if you're interested in being in a discussion group that I will lead, put your name and phone number and circle the group that you would like to participate in. And then I will get in touch with you, and we will be setting up some discussion groups. We have selected four questions to discuss. And then when I have finished with all the discussion groups, I will compile this information, and the council and deacons will meet again and look at what did you say specifically your needs are. We don't want to plan a program and jump into something that's not what people really want to participate in. So we think this is exciting. We think that God is unfolding this plan for us. We think that he's given us, we've prayed for guidance and direction, and we continue to pray for that. And we think that he is answering our prayers by slowly showing us the steps to take. So I want you to think about this week. Would you like to be in a group? It won't take up a lot of your time. I will uh, call the people that are interested. We'll work out a convenient time for you. Uh, we'll work out a convenient place to do it. Some of them will be done here. Some of them I'll do at my house, depending on the size of the groups. And uh, I think that will be a fun thing to participate in. Plus, I think it will get you really excited about the possibility of some new things we can be doing in this upcoming year. So uh, that's kind of it, all of it in a nutshell. Took that much information and got it down to that. So I guess that was just a little bite of it. But I want you to think about participating in these groups. I think they'll be a lot of fun, and they'll be very informative to us. Thank you a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
If you're in a group, it only meets one time, and we only talk about the four questions. And I'm thinking it would be probably about an hour, no longer than an hour and a half, because usually we'll have a little snack of some kind and, and you know, talk. And if we get through them in less than an hour, that's fine. But I, it won't take a whole big amount of your time. And it's a one-time deal on the groups. That's Thank you for that. Any other questions about it that maybe I didn't make clear? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Phyllis. Uh, one other announcement. And I'm, oh, there they are. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> Today, uh, this week marks another special day because on Tuesday, Albert and Leona Tapp are celebrating their 63rd anniversary. So that's something to celebrate. Stand up. That is something to celebrate. We are happy for you. And Pam, are you trying to tell me something else? Tomorrow. 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 Monday, not Tuesday. Okay. Tomorrow. We're glad. We're glad for that. We uh, we celebrate with you. Um, one of the things we like to do is to greet each other in the name of the Lord. So let me ask you to stand up, turn around, just briefly, just shake the hands of the people around you and find somebody you don't know and introduce yourself this morning. Lift your name on high, Lord, I love to sing your praises, I'm so glad you're in my life, I'm so glad you came to save us, you came from heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross. To the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. From heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my death to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Heaven to earth to show the way. You be seated.
well are you ready kids I can't hear you who lives in a pineapple under the sea yellow chlorus and absorbent is he if it's nautical nonsense something you wish flop on the deck and flop like a fish SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob SquarePants. Excellent. That's why I'm not in the choir. <laughs> Lo and behold, back in the day, right after Jesus Christ, Christians were persecuted, and that means they could be thrown in jail. And how they got around by being thrown in jail, they would kick their and they would make the sign of an ichthus or a fish. And then that's why we have fish with us today. His name is Johnny. I've been instructed. I've always called him Fishy. Mama called him the cat this morning and the dog. Have you fed your dog? I mean the fish. So there you go. Anyway. Uh, funny, you take the fish out of water, what happens? Right. He will, he will die without water. And everybody and every living thing needs water. If we don't have water, we will die. Water is life. Without water, we would not be living. Jesus is life, and through the waters of baptism, we commit ourselves to Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Make sense? You know what happens when doc, uh, Dr. Tim takes and baptizes you? He dunks you under the water. Maybe some for a little bit longer than others, but, he, you know, whatever. Through baptism, it will give you strength with God. It will help you accept others who may be a little bit more different than you, but hopefully you will share your experience in baptism with others. So, I'm going to ask you again. Are you ready, kids? Are you ready for baptism? Okay, maybe that didn't go as well as I planned. I'll let... Baptism is a fun thing, and I hope you can accept <laughs> I have something for y'all, if I can reach it. Come on up here. I got some goodies for you. Take one. 
Christ your bulletin. Because we're not supposed to be doing this now, but that's okay. See, this is church, and we, we move by the Spirit of God. Just a real quick deal about the joy of giving. Friday, those of you all know I'm interested in dogs, and Friday uh, I had to go to the dogs down to Bowling Green because they had an Australian shepherd uh, that was dog aggressive and they were going to put to sleep. And they said, please have somebody from Aussie Rescue come down and evaluate this dog. So I get down there and I got to go through two locked gates to get to this poor dog. And he's looking at me, you know, like my mother and father used to look at me when I did something really bad, you know. And so I go into the gate and he's looking at me and I pet him for 30 or 40 seconds and everything. And he's fine. So I bring another dog that I'm rescuing in. They get along fine. And people are amazed. But I got to thinking, isn't that what God does to us sometimes? We're mad. We're angry. The world has beat on us. And he comes in and pets us with his loving hand and calms us down. And that, my friends, makes me want to give my money and my time and my talents back to God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear God, we are so thankful that you reach out to us. That you and your Holy Spirit pet us with your loving hand. Affirm us and make us realize that we are people of great value. Pearls of great price. And can do wonderful things for you. And now it is a time for us to affirm that. And give a portion back to you what you give to us. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, beginning with verse 4 and reading through verse 11. This is the baptism of Jesus. John, the baptizer, appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair 
with a leather leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. I with you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Oh, God, we you have called us to be your children. And we thank you that you are a faithful parent to us, loving us unconditionally, accepting us with all our flaws and directing us to live the life that you have called us to live. We confess to you that we do not do that perfectly like your son Jesus did. But your grace covers our imperfections and your forgiveness encourages us to get up when we fall and to walk in your way again. We have gathered here today as your children to worship you. We thank you that you are in this place in our hearts. And we pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing to you today, O God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
want to ask you this morning, from your perspective, is there any son or daughter in this world who would not be thrilled by a little declaration of praise from his or her parent? I'm proud of you. When baseball legend Henry Aaron hit his 715th home run, breaking Babe Ruth's career record, this is what he said. He said, I don't remember the noise or the two kids who came out onto the field. My teammates at home plate, I remember seeing them. But what I remember most of all was my mother out there and she was hugging me. That's what I will remember more than anything else about that home run. I don't know where she came from or how she got out of the stands, but she was there. Hank Aaron, a veteran baseball player known and respected by millions of people all over the world. But what he remembered most of all was that his mother was there when he broke that record. Now, few of us ever escape that desire to please our parents, do we? For some of us, that's the primary motivation that drives us on to success. Even though our parents may have been dead for many, many years, and even though we may not be aware of it, we're still trying to please mom and dad. And for some people, that can be a pretty heavy burden to bear. For some people, there is that corollary feeling that no matter what we do, we'll never measure up to our parents' expectations. But rare is that person who does not want to please their mom or their dad. Of course, it also works the other way around, doesn't it? Don't we as parents also want our children to be proud of us? Sure we do. It is said of the late great Quaker mystic Rufus Jones that he spent a lifetime measuring up to the accolades of his son who died when he was only 11 years old. Writing more than 40 years after his son's death, Jones puts it like this. He said, I overheard my son talking with a group of playmates one day when each was telling what he wanted to be when he grew up. And Lowell said, when his turn came, I want to grow up and be a man just like my daddy. Few things in my life have ever touched me as those words did, he said, or have I have ever given me a greater impulse to dedication. What kind of man was I going to be if I was to be the pattern for my boy? And so Rufus Jones became a great man, partially because his son was proud of him. And what a powerful bond there is between a parent and a child. How we love to please one another. And I hope that that each of you parents that are here today is smart enough to tell your children, no matter how old or how young they may be, how proud you are of them. But, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if instead of saying, I'm proud of you, we ought not to say, I'm thankful for my child. Because when we say I'm proud, it sounds, it, it, it sounds like an act of self-congratulations, doesn't it? Like uh, as if we're pleased with ourselves for being such great parents. But the fact is that there are many parents who are working just as hard as you are at nurturing their children and, but a child is not a robot, and sometimes no matter how hard we work or how well we do in the art of parenting, a child will sometimes lose his or her way and venture into paths of self-destruction and pain. And that hurts not only the child, but it also hurts the parent. Someone once said that youth is a time of rapid changes between the ages of 12 and 17, a parent can age 30 years. But you know something, a child who has a good mind and a loving heart and, 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 and a good character, that is indeed a gift from God, isn't it? And so we need to say to that child, I am thankful for you. You know the power of a self-fulfilling prophecy, don't you? 
If you expect good things to come from your son or your daughter, and if you let that child know that he or she is accepted and loved and approved of, and if you frequently say, I'm proud of you, or I'm glad I am your parent, or I thank God that you are the kind of person that you are, then that child will normally live up to those expectations. That's the power of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But on the other hand, if you tell a child that he or she is no good, and if you fill that child with a sense of shame or rejection, and if you make that child somehow feel unworthy, then you'd better watch out. Because that child may become super successful in one area or another, but in some way, a price will be paid for that neglect. And the famous phrase from that pop, pop psychology book from many years ago, we all need to know that I'm okay, don't we? And it's true. Now, all of this is my way of introducing our text for today. John was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And you can imagine that a great, what a great pleasure it was to be the one who baptized Jesus, the Messiah. But, you know, it must have been a pretty important day for Jesus in Jesus' life as well, because not only did this experience of his baptism mark the beginning of Jesus' teaching ministry, and not only did he give us an example to follow in submitting to this very meaningful symbol of baptism, but something very beautiful happened to Jesus that day. Because you see, as as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And he heard the voice coming from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. I am well pleased with you. In other words, I'm proud of you, Son. I'm proud of you. A parent pleased with a child. Nothing really all that unusual about that, but this was no ordinary parent and this was no ordinary child. Put yourself in that situation for just a moment. Can you experience the, the humanness of Jesus on this unforgettable, uh, unforgettable occasion? Can you, can you feel the warmth And the jubilation within his heart as he received God's approval that day. And notice what it does for him. Notice what God's approval does for him, just as God's approval does for us. The first thing it does is to make us more humble, doesn't it? Just the fact that we know that God approves of, of us makes us humble. I mean, think about the life of Jesus Christ for a moment. Philippians tells us that Christ was the eternal king who was equal with God. But Jesus never acted like royalty is supposed to act, did he? We would expect the king of kings and the Lord of lords to be pampered and spoiled and catered to. We would expect the Lord of the universe to demand all of the perks that go with that position. And we would expect him to be vain and arrogant and proud. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you find somebody who acts like that, then you'll probably be looking at a person who has never gotten the approval of his or her father or mother. Because only a very insecure person demands special recognition. But the person who is secure in himself or secure in herself, that person can afford to be humble because they don't need that recognition. The person who is secure in himself or herself is a person who has been taught usually by their parents that they are worthy. They are loved and they are a blessing. And that person doesn't feel the need to put himself or herself up on a pedestal. But instead, that person can take on the role of a servant. A story is told of Dr. Charles Mayo, who, along with his father and brother, 
founded the famous Mayo Clinic. It seems that uh, on one particular occasion, a group of medical experts from Europe were visiting the Mayo Clinic and staying in the house as guests of Dr. Mayo, staying in his house. And in their countries at this time, it was the custom for these gentlemen to, to place their shoes outside of the bedroom doors for a servant to polish the shoes at night. And as Dr. Mayo was retiring for the, the night, he noticed outside of his guests' doors, there were shoes lined up. It was too late to wake any of the servants, so he, he picked up all of those shoes and hauled them off to the kitchen, and he spent half the night polishing shoes. And Dr. Charles Mayo was a great and a important man. But he was also secure enough in his own self-worth to be humble, to take on the role of a servant. In the same way, Jesus Christ was secure enough in his relationship with God to humble himself, even to take the form of a servant, as we are told in Philippians. And he, he even washed his disciples' feet on the day he was arrested. And then just a few days later, He died on the cross for us. He had no need to say to the world, look at me, I'm somebody great. He had all the approval he needed. He had God's approval. And that's all he needed. That made him more humble as it does for us. And this approval of God also makes us more accepting of others. You know, when we know that we are accepted, it makes us more inclined to be accepting of others, doesn't it? If somebody accepts us, then we're more likely to be accepting of others. Jesus did this all the time. As a matter of fact, Jesus was constantly embarrassing his disciples because he was hanging out with some of the lowest and least people in society. And it embarrassed his disciples sometimes. Don't you know what kind of woman this is? They asked as this woman of ill repute washed his feet with her hair, with her tears, and dried them with her hair. Does the master not know the the kind of people who have invited him to to supper tonight? Can't he see that he he will never win the hearts of the right kind of people if he insists on being seen in the company of sinners and tax collectors and people like that? Folks, think about it. Do you ever see Jesus putting anybody down in our gospel stories? You ever see that? No. Not the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Not the despised Samaritans that everybody hated. Not even those traitorous agents of Rome itself, the tax collectors. No. Christ doesn't parade around reminding everyone what terrible sinners we are. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, you will see that Christ reserved his wrath for the self-righteous, for the Pharisees and others who were experts at making other people feel unworthy. My friends, the mission of Jesus Christ was to lift people up. And the only thing that he could not abide were those who insisted on putting people down. So listen to this, my friends. If you show me a person who constantly puts other people down, I will show you a person who is not sure of his or her own self-worth and approval. We all know John 3.16 For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3.17 goes on to, to say, The Son of God came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you hear that? Jesus did not come into this world to condemn us. And neither should we condemn each other. Instead, we should love one another, sins and all, just like Jesus loves us and accepts us just as we are. 
I love the way 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18 is translated in the cotton patch version of the epistles. It says, God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. He has bridged the gap between himself and us and given us the job of bridging the gap for others. He no longer keeps track of our sins and has planted in us his concern for getting together. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's no wonder that Jesus pleased God so much. Humility, acceptance, and one more thing, commitment. God's approval makes us more committed. Folks, I would venture to say that no one ever measured up to his or her parents' dream for him like Jesus did. Even agonizing in the Garden of Eden on the night before his crucifixion, sweat falling from his brow like great drops of blood. Remember what Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. I, I suppose that there are parents who think that they're doing their children a favor by withholding their approval. As a matter of fact, I heard, I think it was just last week on, uh, on the radio, uh, I heard that early last century there were child-rearing books that promoted the, this philosophy of no overt expressions of affection. No hugs or kisses or words of encouragement. And they thought that, uh, the thought was that the children would grow up to be self-sufficient and, and be hard workers. And that may be true, but I have to wonder at what emotional cost that would come. My friends, the chronically under, underachieving child is usually not that way because he or she has been spoiled by a parent's attentiveness. Instead, that child's apathy is usually because his or her spirit is broken by a feeling of unworthiness. Because, folks, a healthy relationship is a relationship that motivates, a relationship that energizes and encourages. And I hope that you see, as, as we're moving through this sermon today, that I'm really kind of preaching two sermons at the same time. So I, I feel a little bit schizophrenic here. But really, I'm, I'm preaching two different messages at the same time. One is in praise of Jesus for all that he means to us, for his humility, his love, his willingness to give his life on our behalf, his commitment to us. But the other is to those of us who are parents and grandparents and aunts, and uncles, and Bible study teachers, and others who have contact with children and youth. Because you see, just as the proud parent God said to Jesus on the day of his baptism, you are my beloved son, I am well pleased with you. Just as that's the case, so do we need to help those young ones that, who are entrusted to our care to know that we are pleased with them. We are pleased with our responsibility to them. We are pleased for them. We are pleased for the, the kind of young men and women that they are becoming. And we are pleased that God has brought them into our lives. And when we show these children how pleased we are with them, guess what happens? We will produce a new generation of adults with godly humility, a genuine love for other people, and a great commitment to making their lives count for something great. That's what happens. A young person sat in my office one afternoon and he said, wouldn't you like to see us grow up and take over the church? And he wasn't speaking of a mutiny or anything like that. He was speaking in terms of aspiring to lead as he had been led. He even pointed to some individuals who he admires and wants to emulate in his life. And, and so today, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for young people like that. And I'm thankful for adults 
whose commitment to God is translated into a commitment to youth and to children like these. Carlisle Marnie once put it like this. He's, he said, the Freudians emphasize to us that they are controlled by basement people from our past who go with us everywhere and push up out of our unconsciousness to push us off of our best trail. But we Christians have another powerful kind of influence available to us. Marnie calls them balcony people. People who love God. People who love us. And people who seek to cheer us on to be more loving and to be more like Jesus. My friends, let's have less basement people and more balcony people. Less jeering and more cheering. (laughs) You are my beloved son. And with you, I am well pleased. I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. I'm proud to be a part of such a special life. And now, like Jesus Christ, you too can live a life of humility and a life of love and a life of commitment. That is my prayer. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 176, Fairest Lord Jesus. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never um, accepted the love of Christ. And maybe you've never felt worthy of that because of whatever's going on in your life or what has gone on in the past in your life. Um, Well, get, uh, get this, folks. Here's the news. None of us is worthy of that. Not a single person in this room is worthy of the love of Jesus Christ. But that's what grace is all about. He loves, us in, he loves us in spite of our sinfulness. He loves us in spite of what we've done in our lives and what's going on in our lives. He loves us because we are His child. That's a wonderful word of hope for each of us. If you've never accepted that love in your life, I hope that you won't leave here today without doing that, without making that commitment to Jesus Christ, without recognizing God as our parent who loves us so much and making that commitment to following the ways pleasing to the Lord. Please make that commitment if you haven't. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church today. We, come, we invite you to come and join us as, as we seek to be the children of God that, that God has called us to be. And we're not perfect, but God loves us. And God is moving us in the direction that God wants us to go. We invite you to be a part of that as we seek to be God's people. And we invite you to do that as we sing together, Fairest Lord Jesus, number 176. Would you come?
May we follow the example of Jesus Christ, who was praised by his heavenly father. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. May we recognize that God loves us in much the same way. May we allow that love and that acceptance to turn our lives into a positive force for God's kingdom, being secure in ourselves enough to be humble and willing to serve, being accepting of others because we are accepted by God, committing to a path to follow the path of God because we know that God will not steer us wrong. May we go from this place with the strong assurance that we are a child of God. Amen. get in my way, y'all. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to get somewhere that's real and pure and true and eternal. Toby, can you go with your boy? Father God, I